started last week, we started a topic which uh, on the surface seems somewhat not exciting, but it actually is very exciting. Um, so we, we were discussing the, some of the medical applications of Pidyon Aben, which is redeeming the firstborn, and um, how that applies. So, so we, what, uh, was amazing, for those of you who missed it. That's not transplant, that's tissue removal. Uh, 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 a follow-up of tissue Tissue removal. transplant. Yeah. Okay, yes, we're going to get there in a second. So, we, we, uh, what was the, one of the amazing things I found, and one of the amazing things that amazes me in general, in my life, not much amazing, but, is, uh, is that uh, many times you'll find things in the Talmud which seems somewhat totally hypothetical and irrelevant and sometimes even crazy to that the rabbis thought of such cases. And lo and behold. And lo and behold, um, when you, modern technology, which there's no way they could have known that, um, or maybe they could have, it um, seems to um, have, the, these Gemara seem to have made ramifications for those things. So one of the things we mentioned was the question of, of if you have a uterine transplant, which is, um, I don't think it's very common, but um, it has, uh, you said the first one was in Saudi Arabia in the year 2000. Mm -hmm. So it was the first uterine transplant. So the question I became... The first baby was born from a uterine transplant a week ago. Yeah, they just this announced it. Yeah. Look oh, at wow. that. See that? Wow. It's changing as we, from last week's yeah, class. Yeah, okay. it was okay. just a Okay, so, so, yes. Yeah, so, very, so amazing technology, yes? Sure, huh? I don't know. It's very <laughs> apropos of what we're talking about. Huh, see that? Look at that. I didn't even know. I didn't even know what it was saying. But you did. Yes. Maybe. You just uh, hadn't seen it yet. Just like yeah. the sages in the Gemara. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Amazing, amazing. <laughs> so, uh, the the point is, so the question became relevant to the issue of Pidyon Aben was um, the question that arises with this new technology is how um, do we view it? Since we said the Torah makes a stipulation of Pidyon Aben is it has to be Petarechem, the child that opens this womb. Oh. So the question is if you have a donor who already gave birth prior, if it's a live donation or whatever the case is, um, comes from a live donor. So this uterus was already open by one baby. Now you transplant it into, an, into this woman. And now she's having her first child. So the question is, is this child obligated in Pidyon Bukhar, in Pidyon Aben, because mm -hmm. it's the first child for this woman, but it's not the first child for this womb. Okay. So how does that work? It would be best if Thank she you. got a girl. You're welcome. Yes. <laughs> that, that's <laughs> Many like people would argue it always would be best. It's awesome. like buying a used car. It's new for the person who just got ah, straight. Exactly. So how, does, how do we do a, a uh, recycled womb, so to speak? Um, for sure you're going to be Okay. So it's a great question. So yeah, there's no way question. to figure this out. But lo and behold, I happened to discover this Gemara in, in traffic Wow. Wow. Happened to be last week. I was just uh, reading this to Martin. This, this, um, and is this the same? So the Gemara again going through. This is, by the way, this is referring to the Talmud. The context here is animals, not humans. Um, although we'll see, and it's not. It could be that is enough of a distinction that we cannot bring proof from here, and we'll get to that. Mm -hmm. But. Uh, the Gemara here goes through some really wild cases discussing, again, because animals also have the same biblical obligation if your animal, your kosher animal, unless you own a donkey, which is also, um, if you happen to own a donkey, 
you also have a, an obligation to redeem the firstborn male animal. Okay, um, in those days, and they would actually be bringing it as a carbon. As we mentioned last week, it's very problematic today if you're a rancher in Israel, because uh, the, since we don't have a Beit Hamikdash, we can't bring the animals as sacrifice. So it has this din of holiness. And there's nothing you can do. You can't redeem it. You can't really do anything with it. So you just basically have to leave it out to pasture. So there's a lot of loopholes that uh, they try to find. Um, uterine transplants and things like that. But um, whatever the loopholes are, they, they, they actually can sell it to a guy. Like your chametz, you sell the, the fetus prior to birth or during birth. So it's a complicated issue and it's, it's very relevant if you're an observant farmer in Israel today. Um, rancher, not farmer. But the point is, so this Talmud, this Talmud here is discussing many seemingly ludicrous cases, and amongst them, I'm not going to read the whole thing again because we did it all, we read it last week, and we ended, but there's two cases that would seem to me very relevant to this question of uterine transplants. So one is, it discusses a um, case here where it says... Um, what, so what, one of the key things, and it's going to be relevant to other cases we'll discuss today, which is the question of chatzitza, which is, as we mentioned, there's anytime there's a, the English word is interposition, which I'm not sure what that means, but it means chatzitza. Chatzitza means interposition, interposition means chatzitza, but I'm not sure what either. But basically what it is, is, is uh, there's something, just like let's say a woman or a man goes to the mikvah, there's something on their skin that's not allowing the water to touch their skin. So the halach is the the uh, immersion is invalid because you need to have comp- need to be completely immersed in water. So if you have a, a bandage, a cast, or things like that, so it becomes an issue. So the question here is when the the gemara seems to be addressing this issue, when the fetus is emerging from the birth canal. Let's say there's something there's an interposition between the fetus and the birth canal. Um, so how does that work? So it discusses what? Forceps. Right, well, we'll talk about it. We're going to get to forceps. That's actually relevant. But uh, that would be one case. But here, the question is, so it mentions a bunch of weird cases of interposition. One is, it says, what happens if it comes out, first of all, in its in the amniotic sac? Then it discusses what happens if it comes out in a different animal's amniotic sac, which is a very strange case. How would it come out in another animal's? And amniotic sac. Okay, so that's one thing that I think would be might be very relevant <coughs> to this question of uh, of uh, uterine transplants. Again, they had no way at the time of knowing that. But it seems like I'm guessing, and this is just a pure guess, that the reason why they're discussing all these weird cases is because even at this time, when the Talmud was written 2,000 years ago, they wanted to try to get out of it was a problem. They, you know, they didn't want to be stuck with this animal has Kedushas Bechar, has holiness of a firstborn, and they basically would have to be put out to pasture. So in order to get to circumvent and to find a loophole for the mitzvah, they would try to do different things. They need to wrap it in something while it's coming out. So again, they would, then it didn't, it's not opening the womb, it's not touching the side of the womb, things like that. So one of the things they might have done was taken an amniotic sac from a different animal and stuck it in there and, and, uh, and come out. That's my guess, but I have no idea. Um, the other question is it then discusses, and I don't have it. It's a lot of effort. Yeah, I'm saying, but it's better than being stuck with an animal. You can't, you literally can't do anything. You can't just have, you have to feed, you can't kill it because it's holy. And or you, you could, but I mean, just. So if you avoid the picrocholi, the first animal. Because and the, the next animal, yeah. yeah, because the next one surely is not opening the womb. 
once this the womb was opened whether it was yes. open but yes. you're not obligated for paying yeah. a bank yeah. the the exactly. so that gets so you out of so it gets you, you get out of jail forever card. Yeah. so to speak it, 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 Defective. You get away with four shekels. No, so if the is defective, it actually you then you're exempt. So when that's another loophole they discuss is that you you in utero make a defect in the animal, which would exempt it from being a bachar. So then you off the hook also, which is something that was done. Talmud discusses that. Um, that you, but it has to be in utero because once it's born, damage the animal. Then it's in a little way, make a cut on its lip, little things that would. Effectively, I mean that's really invalidated from a carbon. But not damage it. So the logic is you just don't put a bullet in a wild there. That it's it's better to damage even yeah, if it's yeah. a minor trauma yes. to traumatize the fetus. Well, you're not traumatizing the fetus by making a cut and slip. Come on. Then to worry about the, the punishment. Listen, we're not of, talking about Peter here. We're of not sacrificing about the, the animal because it's we're, a poor. Peter would probably be protesting <laughs> outside the clinic. What's around point? I mean, yes. you're, you're causing enough damage, right? To Consider it to be a damaged fetus. D- damaged in the sense it's not valid for a sacrifice. Because right. sacrifice so has to be perfect. So that's a, a exactly. significant yes. amount of damage. Yes. No, it's not a yeah. significant amount. It's, it's not. Just, just, Torah, it's not a yeah, just so enough. like, for example, a cut on, a li- li- a cut on the upper lip would be s- enough damage to be considered that it invalidates as a carbon. It would what's still be kosher. Or you could no, no, but what I'm saying is then then it's no longer considered, it wouldn't, it wouldn't get Kedusha. I understand, but if you damaged enough, it wouldn't be kosher even. Yeah, that's trafe. Well, that's different. That's a different. Yeah, that's a real but, but what's a punishment if you were to sacrifice that Bechor instead of putting it out to pasture? What's the criminal so, in I the Beit Din? might be death, but I don't know. Whatever, I don't know. But no, no, you seriously. can't bring a, a car, but No, but if invalid. you take that Bechor and you actually eat it, a real a bechor that is kadosh or bechor that's not kadosh. Kadosh. Oh, that's that's. I think it's death penalty. Karet or is it death penalty? So you're saying the death penalty of the human, therefore trumps the lip incision. It's not the death penalty. It's it's the close call. It's the it's it's really really it's an economic factor here because. You basically gonna have to raise this animal in pasture and never it can't do any work for you, it can't eat it, you can't do anything. So it's really more economic than anything else. Why are you the discounting eternal guilt? I'm making a joke, but why are you discounting eternal guilt? I mean if you're a religious person you want to be observant. It's so worked for millennia. Yeah. I agree. Exactly. So if, so if don't you discount redeem it, you have to keep it and not do anything with no, it. No, no. Uh, if you don't uh, redeem uh, it. No, I'm saying a human is redeemed. Uh, 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 animal bechor. In those days, There's you would no redeem. You would put the kedusha onto right. another animal, but then you'd have to bring it as a sacrifice. But the animal, so once you can redeem it, but only onto another animal. So it doesn't. You, you're stuck with some some animal gonna be being sacrificed. Right. Being sacrificed and and you have to redeem always. with another. Problem is if we don't have a beta mikdash, that's the problem. So therefore. There's nothing you can do with it. You can't bring it as a sacrifice. You can't so go to the your local Hindu temple. And but you can redeem a cow with a chicken, for example. So you have no, no, no. It has to be a similar. Really? Yeah. So the first the, chicken is not the as first a the first male is getting ready to come out. The uterus is beginning to dilate. A little concern about the health of the fetus <coughs> during delivery, and you put a an invasive. Uh, monitor into its scalp, or yeah, I don't it know and, and take a drop of blood to run a test before it's born. 
Uh, have you not Talking damaged? Talking about human or animal? A human. A well, human, no. Humans, we don't care. Damage doesn't affect humans because they're not brought as sacrifices yet. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, but in so an it's animal. It's only in the animal, yeah. So I'm saying the human, the damage in the human doesn't affect its being a firstborn. Meaning that it has to be viable. We're going to talk about that. If it's right. not a viable, if you do something like Shelley said, say you remove the stomach, which is, you know, it's already born without, that could be, it's, if it's not a viable um, fetus, so then there's no, it doesn't get a dim That's And we mentioned this last time, we'll say it again, is that that's why we only do the pidyon aben after 30 days a child is born, because we wait to make sure that's the halachic definition of viability. If it lives for 30 days, the assumption is viable. The first 30 days, we don't know that's, it's viable. That's what we call it in surgery, the will to live test. Okay. So if you, if I understand correctly, you have a bechor, which you delivered fine, no problem, opens the womb. You then, and let's say it's a cow, calf is born. You then have to take another calf and sacrifice it. So net gain is zero, economic gain. No, but what you're gaining is yeah, yeah. Well, you bring her the carbon. You get that's the gain. But, uh, but so the net gain, economic gain is zero. Which yes. Maybe maybe Which you can pick a maybe you can pick a not so good one the next well, time. Yeah, I'm yes, not sure you can but I'm that's fine. But the, again, the problem is today after the temple was destroyed. We're not worried. People like to bring uh, sacrifices. The question is today where you can't do so you're stuck so if you're just okay right, yeah useless, I sell the animal, animal and finish but now it's useless you have to feed it till it dies right. so you're going to be for 15-20 years you're going to be giving this feed and having to raise it and there's no economic gain from it zero it's nothing yeah. so useless that's the pain right. Useless right, exactly. so that's the issue today that becomes the issue today that we don't have a temple so why does Kedushat Bechor even remain when the Beit HaMikdash no longer remains because because that's it. It's born. It's the firstborn. The Torah says it's all. But they were uniquely related. Those two concepts. No, the, that would seem the, to be the biggest loophole of all. No more temple. No more right. Meaning the, the ramification I, of kedusha bechor is bringing it as a sacrifice. <laughs> Ron, so it's a good point. Ron's saying, Look, so then maybe this should be dependent. The, the ramification of having the holiness is has to be brought as a sacrifice. The fact that we don't have a method to bring it today doesn't negate fact that it's still born holy. Every day we pray that still born, it gets Kedush Bechor, it comes out, that's it. Once it's Petarechem, it now acquires this Kedush Bechor. The, the ramification of that is either to bring it as a sacrifice. Instead, no, today we, you have, don't have that solution, so therefore you're stuck. We you anticipate that the Mashiach is going to come and tomorrow there'll be a temple. Amen, amen, amen. Just, amen. just better keep the animals. Some say, out, by the way, the, if Cook says there will be no more animal sacrifices in the third temple. Boy, or those that say Yossi, just to be clear on this economic Peter. benefit, you're saying well, this problem o- only applies now because the animal becomes not really useless, it becomes a useless eater. But even back then, eating your if profits. you could find a loophole to make that firstborn cow not a bechor, you would have an economic gain because yes. then you would 100%. not have. That's why the, yes. So I mean, so there's a lot of incentive to 100%. get around the bechor. Yes, yes, no question. A lot of economic incentive. If you're, if That's you're a farmer, yes. Exactly, right. exactly. Right. Now it's getting exactly. clear about that. You can't get over that. Except they don't um, come to a conclusion. Okay, so now let's get back to uterine. You ready? You ready to learn about uterus? I missed that. Very relevant to. It's always Okay, you're up. This is your. This is your. Uh, you're sleeping. Business. Okay, so now, so there's, so there's two cases there that I think were relevant. 
the, the Talmud mentions. So one of them, I'm sorry, I, I realized. Oh, it is on the bottom. I didn't look at the bottom. I, on the next rest. So if you towards, let's go to the bottom of the page, under the line. Um, so it says like this. So first of all, actually the last line. Let's start from right here. We did the other ones. In this case, the last line in the right column above the line, it says, um, the Gemara cites further inquiries regarding the sanctification of the Bukhar. Again, we're talking about animals here. The walls, walls of the birth canal opened wide, so now we're on the left column, under the line, so that the fetus was born without touching them. What is the law? So the question becomes, really, what the Gemara seems to be inquiring here is, what, at which point um, does it acquire what's making it acquire this holiness of Bukhar? Is it touching when it touches the walls of the birth canal or is it just the ear of the birth canal? This the ear. immaculate delivery. No, he's saying, so if, let's say whatever happened, it opened wide enough where the, and the fetus was very small so it just fell out. And it came right, it just fell out. So does it acquire the Kedusha Bukhar or not? That seems to show a lack of understanding of mechanism. Yeah. Why are you saying that? It's the head that pushes the walls over. No, no, but let's say this animal was sick. Very it small had animal before, and a very big Yesterday it gave birth to an elephant. Today it's uh, giving birth to a little elephant. <laughs> so the birth canal is stretched well, in the anyway. sense of... Exactly, so yeah, that's the question. Yeah, so is it, if it just, count. if it's not touching the walls of the birth... By the way, animals, I learned this, the Gemara says this, I only learned it from the Gemara. I haven't spoken to a vet yet, I have a friend, that the animals are not, do not have the same anatomy as humans. There is no, almost very little birth canal in an animal. It's basically the uterus and then just opens up. There's very little birth canal. Just to, as an aside, and I mean, see it's well. Yeah. So, so, so you have to have a good imagination of the uterus, not the right, birth canal. Right, so that's the, the question. Is not what, the birth well, canal. No, but they, the uterus is considered part of the birth of the, of the, of uter the, the birth canal is considered part of the uterus. The question is where, it's a good question, and this is also up for discussion, which is at which, so what's considered, when we say pet rechem, uterus, are we referring to the cervix, also referring to the birth canal? Exactly what the definition of rechem is. Then you is. wouldn't have the question of a recycled uterus because the birth canal ah, is so that That's my point. That's that exactly the point. Ah, so that's the question. Here. So you're saying, what is, which part <laughs> makes it holy? So now the question seems to be, so now in the case, let's say, where you have a, if, if we're saying here's all you need is the airspace and not the, not the walls of the birth canal, or the walls of the uterus in this case, so then when you have a case of a donor of a transplanted uterus, this woman, the issue was, if you don't need the, to touch the walls, what it's saying here is, we don't care about the uterus. As long as it's going through the air of this new woman's birth canal, the air belongs to her. Even if you want to say the donor uterus, still, let's say, we go with the original woman, but it's irrelevant. This is my point, this is what I'm showing you why this is relevant to today's technology, is because the air of the uterus, the birth canal, the air in the birth canal, clearly belongs or belongs to this new woman. That she didn't get the air donated, the space donated from the original woman. So yeah. according to this side, I'm saying we, we, we don't care. The uterine transplant would be irrelevant to the question of Bukhar. If it's just the air itself that's making it holy, not the touching the walls, it's irrelevant to the tissue around it, so then the question of uterine transplants would not be relevant to Bukhar because it's a simple answer. The air is still the is, her, is the new mother's air. Is the, the birth is the canal is not being transplanted. 
True. The birth canal but is the uterus of the new is, woman. Well, we, that's why cervix is Yeah, but the so cervix is part of the cervix. So the cervix part, part of the birth canal. Uh, it would seem well, like how that. do they define the birth canal? That's a good question. I'm not sure yet. Well, rachum means uterus, so it doesn't mean birth canal. Yes, but that's what's included. So like today, when we're saying there's a uterine transplant, do they they take it? They take. Also, the cervix, meaning is it only what? I'm sure, they think the cervix will right, work. Exactly. So, you cervix. see, the cervix is considered part of the rechem. So, that, that's a big part of the question, and it's not so clear. So, they to just me didn't understand anatomy. At this juncture. No, they did very well. Because the they would have gone when into When the Torah the says pet the rechem, Torah says open it. They, they did go into specifics, five pages. And no, they didn't they go into the specifics between the uterus, the vagina. They didn't, they so didn't they go are. into those. So, you talk about amniotic sac. There's a lot of discussion here about different parts. And they did. Yes, but I, I don't understand those meaning it's not clear at the end exactly at which point. So they didn't um, know the do- they didn't no, know. No, I don't understand. Don't blame it on them. Oh, I, I like to blame them. It's okay. Okay. Just because the whole so, the expression passing gas. <laughs> so again, so um, what I'm saying is, right. if you see the two Sorry sides of the Talmud here, Talmud says, do we say ma? What's the halacha in this case? Avir rechem Do we say the passing through the ear space of the birth canal is what sanctifies the fetus? Um, and that you have in this case, even though it was wide open, or Dilma Nigyas Rechemekacha. It's the aspect of that it's touching the sides, the, the walls, the tissue of the walls. What I'm saying is, again, so this would be applicable maybe to the case of uterine transplant because the air, if it's just about the air, so the air is irrelevant. What what the first mother? The air is owned by the recipient. Um, it's new air, so to speak. It's not it's not the air that fresh that, uh, air. Fresh air. Yeah. I mean, this is nonsense. Air? Well, what are we talking space. about? What air that? space? There is no air space. Okay. Run, run, run. Well, let's be realistic here. Don't think, let's uh, think, think about think it. Think of yeah. the head so coming through the basic canal. question. Yeah. Totally enveloped and touching. Well, they would love to say no because they don't no. want to have to in sacrifice this case, the animal. They're not saying every case. They're saying in a specific case where, again, you have a preemie that's very small. Preemie could be very small. It's coming through the birth canal, but it's not touching the walls. That's possible. That means not touching the walls. And impossible response. in a human, maybe, not, but not in a veterinarian. Something that's going to touch No, the no, wall. I'm saying if an animal had, let's say, he was attacked by another animal, and, and that's what it's talking about. It's, it says that. It, no, it's where where its birth canal was stretched very wide. How? Was some by the weasel. Uh, by, uh, by, by the weasel, right? He doesn't know the case of the weasel. Yeah, it? no, I read it above. Okay, yeah. so so meaning there's, is it if possibly hypothetically this would happen? Again, Gamar <laughs> talks about hypotheticals. That's exactly the point that I'm showing you is that even though it might be. Not in your mind, it's totally relevant, but we see the halachic concept is relevant today with new technology. That's my point. What I see so is that they are looking for a beautiful loophole so they don't have to sacrifice right. their animal. Okay, that, that's and beautiful. And I think they There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, yes. that's great. So now the question is, but we see, again, that they're addressing halachic concept, which was irrelevant in their time. For 2,000 years, they didn't have the technology. 2,000 years later, we have technology where this con- these halachic concepts are very relevant. That's an unbelievable thing. That's beautiful, because otherwise we would not have a source to decide the question of uterine transplant. The the concept of using air space 
in a birth canal is like a funny exactly. concept. Exactly. That's no, exactly my point. I, I understand. My point. No, they, That's exactly they the point. Oh, that. That's exactly my point. They Let me needed explain. that for wait, financial wait. reasons. Second, Let me explain. That's exactly my point. So they discussed something which was totally hypothetical. No, it was relevant you for just said, that it's day. It's impossible to happen. It, it was no, for that day. It was an economic issue and they found so, the loophole. Exactly. So Beautiful. now we see that their loophole could be used today in deciding halacha. But it's... it's why, why is that an issue? It's not it's like a saying, modern concept of air, space, and a vagina. What? Okay, exactly. How is that a loophole? I mean, but where like, it was for them. It was for the Talmud and I, I understand. The Correct. Talmud is speaking hypothetical cases. In many cases, as a matter of fact, to be shown, the early authorities say on this Gemara, these cases never, one of these cases where it's, it says, uh, it's the it says it means that it's irrelevant. Uh, many f- times you find that in the Torah itzel, such as the, the Soramara, Ben Soramara, where yeah, yeah. the Talmud says it never happened, never will. But we're discussing hypotheticals because the Torah doesn't only I discuss. Pra- one second, I want to finish my point. Torah doesn't only discuss practical matters. The Torah also discusses hypotheticals because this is God's wisdom, and it could be totally never happened, never will. Now, my point is: so even though in those days this could have never happened, never will, as you just said. So clearly it wasn't for economic reasons because you just said it's impossible to happen, right? No, it you was said, for economic you. reasons. I'm quoting you. You said it's impossible. No. But my point is, so now they ruled on an impossible case that never happened. But now these concepts are relevant in, with new technology. That's my point. So right? To sure. me, it's an amazing thing. I'm not sure yes. the, how they decided about whether air was good enough. They didn't decide. It's teku. Teku means they don't know. So they decided that they're not sure. So we how, don't know. How can we apply it if there's no answer? Ah, so that's a good question. We'll get to how halacha works when there's no good answer. Yes. Two things. First, the baby that was just born was the first American baby born from a uterine transplant. The first baby born from a uterine transplant was actually in Brazil last December. That's right. Little aside. Secondly, this issue Ron raised is a critical one. The Secular bioethics is built almost entirely on the notion that antecedent ethical systems simply are not up to the job of dealing with contemporary technological issues. Okay. This is a refutation of that. Why? Because it's saying, based upon our system, Jewish system, of casuistic approach. Now, let's take a case. Can we find a law that applies to it and deal with it in modern technology, like the time runner respirator? It completely refutes the whole underpinnings of secular bioethics, which is that ancient systems, as it were, of medical ethics aren't up to the task after 3,000 years since 1970s. They're not up to the task of dealing with uh, complex technological issues. So it's not a trivial issue. I'm not sure it's a refutation, but I mean, the point is that they were using a loophole that was relevant in their day to save their animals. If you believe, 100%. Now, if you, I agree with you. So now, let's say you want, let's say you're correct. I mean, I don't want to say I don't agree. I don't think they're they're not going to violate, we believe, at least, maybe you don't, but say we believe that when we view (laughs) the sages of the Talmud, you're right, they're going to come, when it comes to economic reasons, they're going to try to come up with a solution, but the solution has to be within the confines of Allah. This is not Reform Judaism. Meaning we don't just wake up in the morning and say, okay, we today we want to eat pork, so I, therefore we're going to say it's because of chicken else. So one second. So there means within halachic definitions, they're saying that this is a solution. 
Now, was it relevant in those days? Maybe yes, maybe not. Maybe it could happen. So now we're, we're once they're establishing these principles, as Shelley's saying, we can now use this and apply it to current cases. The principles don't change. The, just because they established these principles because they were looking for an economic loophole doesn't change. They're like saying the founding fathers allowed guns for, for reason X. The question is now, could we apply it to reason, reason uh, Y? Maybe yes, maybe not. That's up for debate, but that's the same point. So in other words, there's nothing wrong if a law was established, they established certain principles. Yes, they were looking for economic loopholes. But we see the principles are true. Meaning, in the sense of whatever they, the assumption is, they hal- were halakhically correct. Even if the cause might have been economic reasons, that doesn't negate the fact that we can now use these halakhic principles to apply it to other cases. I, I don't, why is that a contradiction? It's not a contradiction. What that is that what that Gemara is legitimating is the notion of considering airspace. That's all. It's not a principle. It's a, yes. What it's establishing is you is can we don't consider, say, and, it, and it says we don't know. Take it, it, right, but it, no one is saying. No, the, considering airspace is a totally ridiculous idea. You can't do it. Right. So it is exactly. legitimating the concept. You can consider this ridiculous notion of airspace. That's okay. all it's saying. So we have, so we have obviously, you, you have a precedent, and then you say, well, is this precedent really close enough to, to what we're right. doing? Is it, or is so that principle we all use yeah. precedents. I, I think it's an interesting concept of the airspace, though, because, you know, in, in law... Uh, in the past, the airspace of your over your property went as a tube all the way up to the heavens, right. and and then they had to change that because an airplane flying over would be a trespass. And now, drones. and now the question is, well, maybe 500 feet for a drone is is the limit of your airspace, and wires going over your property. Right, over there, so so, so the whole idea of, of defining airspace as belonging to uh, a certain piece Domain. of property is a pretty significant concept in, in law and I had never really thought of the airspace of the of the vagina. Do you think there's any case law on that in um, American or British jurisprudence? <laughs> so it, it, if you take a, a uterus from a uh, a Gentile woman in transplant. Oh, so that's a whole different question. We're not okay. going there today, but that's part of what we're going to see in a second. Well, that, that's a key question. Did you say gentle? Or so one second. So that's a... So that's a um, Ed, this is, no, it's a very good question because really the, the, the whole question of uterine transplants in secular law in a certain sense and also in halacha is going to ride on whether does it... How do we view it? Does this now become... It now belongs to the to this woman, to the, to the recipient, or do we, does it still have some connection to the donor? That's really what we're discussing here, meaning the fact that the, recip- the, the, the donor gave birth before, does that affect now after it's in, it's in the, it's now transplanted, which is really by any organ. It's a you can have that question. that's already been opened. Yeah, exactly. So meaning, so the, the question be- really hinges upon uh, leaving this part out of the airspace. There's a the real question before you get to the, the, this is just a way to circumvent the question. We're saying we don't care about the uterus, we care about the airspace. That's circumventing the whole question. But I'm saying initially, well, let me finish my point. Initially, the, the, the real question hinges upon any time you have a, a donor transplantation, uh, an organ transplantation, any organ or tissue in this case, not an organ. So the question is, does it have any connection to its original donor or now once it's it inserted into the point? It is an organ. The uterus he is said, an organ. Well, he's, he's saying it's tissue. No, the, I don't know the circumcision is tissue. 
Not talking about second part. But the uterus is an organ. Oh, it is an organ. Okay. So I thought you said tissue before. So the, the point being is, how do we view, does this organ that is now in this new don in this new recipient, do we view it as now it's completely his and there's no relation to its prior donor or not? So this is really the question it's here. Possession so again, is nine-tenths of the law. Okay, that's a good point. Or, or, or not. That's really what it hinges on. I want to show you this Gemara will also answer, seemingly answer that question in a second. I don't know if this is relevant, but a uterine transplant is intended to be a rental. It's yes. not like a kidney or a heart. Is uh, it, they intend to take it out after you had the last baby you're going to have with... Yeah, because you're giving, right, so you're giving the drugs. So I don't know if that drugs. affects the idea yeah, of so judge, We'll get there in a second. So that's a very good point. Shelly's pointing out that you, the way the uterus works today, the way the transplant so far, that what they were doing is they, they take it out after birth because they have to continue to give you um, the immunosuppressant drugs, which in order that your body shouldn't reject the foreign organ, just like any transplantation. So they, that's dangerous. First of all, it's dangerous even for the fetus and for the woman, clearly. So they want to stop that. So once she has the baby, they then remove the, the uterus in order that, that they shouldn't, um, shouldn't have to continue giving her the immunosuppressant drug. So basically, that, that is relevant to this question. <laughs> so it's, it's relevant to this question because, again, since it's not permanent, so maybe even in a regular organ head, so even if a regular organ, you might say, now totally belongs to, to the recipient. But in this case, it's just a temporary thing for uh, nine months. It's not so temporary, whatever, 10 months, whatever it is. So the question again becomes, how do we view, do we view this um, recipient as that this is yeah, her part of her body now. It's like and a I, pair of shoes, you know, you so, use it and throw them away. So where, where you see this in the Gemara, so now the next, so I'm going to show you another case here, another hypothetical. Losing you, losing you. This section is... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Do you want me to keep poking him? Yeah, please. Um, <laughs> so then discusses, Getting let me just see. This way. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't know which case he's talking about. I am. <laughs> That's the problem. <laughs> okay, so let me, I'm just going to read. So there's, by the way, there's very little written on this, obviously, because it's very new technology. Um, so there, I, there's no real response written on this. There was a response in 1907 um, about there was transplantation of ovaries, and they didn't understand the anatomy exactly. So some of them think it's uterus, and and so there is discussion then um, from 1907, but. So we do. So this is an article, article by Eddie Rackman, your buddy, um, in, in summer of 2003, in uterine transplantation, the case of mistaken question, which is that case from 1907. You hear this? 1907, the year you were born. So it says like this. Um, it says, uh, I was going to read you, he quotes, he says, first of all, he says what we're saying here. The, the Gemara in Chulin cites a hypothetical case where the birth canal is so wide that the fetus can exit without direct physical contact with the uterine or vaginal walls. Is the airspace of the uterus sufficient to generate the status of Bahar? Gemara asks, or is direct physical contact with the uterine wall required? So he brings, so he says, so now the Gemara says, we're not sure. Gemara doesn't answer the question. So he says, Rambam maintains that the fetus in this case would be a questionable Bahar. Means it's a suffix. Now, this is what's good to know is, Normally, when you have a, a doubt, suffix means a doubt. So, if you have a doubt in halacha, so if it's a biblical law, we always go and str stringent about it. But w this, we, as we mentioned last week, a bechar is relevant is a is a economic issue. 
forget about the animal. We're talking about in a regular, let's say, human mechar. So it's just it's a it's a business transaction between the father and the coin. Technically, the coin, the Torah says, coin the child belongs to the coin. The father has to go and buy it off the coin, as we saw the video last week of the ceremony. That's all it is. It's an economic transaction. So the halach is when it comes to money. In order, if you want your money, in this case, the coin wants his money. He has to prove if there's no if it's a doubt whether I owe you money. In, in halacha, the halacha is that uh, you don't give the money. If I want to take money out of you, you have to prove that I owe you the money. If there's a doubt to whether you owe me the money, you're off the hook. So therefore, he says in this case, um, since it's a doubt, so you would not do pig in a bed. Um, in the case of uterine transplant. Um, now, the other case, the other Gemara, as we mentioned last week, he says, in the Talmudic hypothetical, the uteri of two animals are adjacent to each other, and the fetus moves from one uterus to the second before being born. Which, as he said, is also totally ludicrous. But again, they foresaw 2,000 years ago that this would be relevant in the year Except for 2000. Leia Rochelle. Okay, that's a good question. The Gemara wants to know whose Bechor the fetus is. Um, okay, so there's so questions. How, how would you apply that? That also seems to be very relevant to the case of, uh, of a uterine transplant, and I'm not sure how to apply it. The last thing is... Um, These all sound like great like wives' tales that they, the farmers or the, the cattle ranchers would talk about at night over the fire and say, Oh my exactly. God, I, I exactly. saw this Exactly, but again, that doesn't negate the Pesach Halacha that was said about those crazy great. hypotheticals. They, were, they yeah. just waxed poetic and they just yeah, but were able to save all their animals. One second, again, so great, weren't, brilliant. first of all, you're wrong, because it's taiku means where they weren't able to save their animals. They were. Sure. If it's no. teku, then it's suffect, then okay, it's not the a problem. Says that. First, the Ramam says that about, but we're talking about we're applying it to humans, so there's no economic factor. The Ramam is saying it about humans. In these I cases. understand, that's a so major now, jump. But yes. Furthermore, um, okay, so that was, that, that's, I'm just trying to show you one of the cases here. Was it is after they drank now, whiskey? Or so interestingly enough, like, Steinberg, yes. Is there a question? Who was the mother? I mean, is it yes. the case kind of like surrogacy? This whole article about it. It's mostly. Oh. Her is just one paragraph. The whole question of uterine transplant, again, becomes who's the mother? Um, that's the maternal identity. Is it the last mother? And that depends on the question we just mentioned, which is once you transplant the organ, do you automatically assume it now is part and parcel of this woman's body? Which is the way Steinberg, when so Steinberg has his new five volume book. In, he has a section of Pidina Ben, and he has one line on uterine transplants. And he doesn't, he doesn't quote Ray Rackman, I guess he didn't see this article, um, or it wasn't up to par for him. But, uh, um, is there any statement that getting a uterine transplant is too dangerous and no one should do that anyway? Yeah, he discusses it very uh, at length here because the question is similar to what we normally we allow danger for the sake of healing. The right. question is, is having a child considered healing? So emotionally, psychologically, he discusses that a lot. That's an excellent question, just like we discussed by cosmetic surgery. So we don't allow you to do surgery just for cosmetic right. reasons. Um, except, though they say there, that if there's a great psychological need, the woman or whatever, she can't, get a date. Or she can't get a date or something like that, then we allow it. So, uh, so here, the question is a similar question, meaning is, is the ability to have children, meaning, first of all, there's other options. You can do try IVF. Right, you don't have to endanger your life and have a uterine transplant because they give you these immunosuppressive well, drugs. They discuss that at length. Surrogacy, IVF. Surrogacy, surrogacy. Yeah, yeah, I'm saying the surrogacy. There are other options today well, to override the emotion. Okay, yeah, but that's, that's not as dangerous. 
right? Not so dangerous. Fall asleep. In the secular bioethical world, it's also considered, and many people make the argument, it's too dangerous yeah. procedure. It sounds ridiculous. It's not That's There's no Okay. Totally. What? If you choose surrogacy, you have a Gentile woman carrying your baby, and the baby is a firstborn male that she delivers. It needs to yes, be converted. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's not, it's not Jewish. There's no... If the if the father's not Jewish, the he's still picking Jewish, up that. No, I'm just saying if the father, the no, no, it's not a father. That case is not considered. No, the, there's again. a father. There's a father and there's a mother. No, no, but genetic. I'm talking about genetic. There's a genetic father and a genetic mother right. that are both Jewish, oh. and the embryo is transferred okay, so, to a surrogate who is so not again, Jewish. Again, so the, so we. So no, so the point is. In that case, with them, with with the mother, meaning not the mother, the surrogate, her womb is opening. I don't. It's a good question. I can't imagine. We talked about this before. About opinion of Ben. For sure, they're not even Jewish. No, it's not for sure. The question is if the genetic mother is Jewish. Genetic mother is Jewish, and the surrogate is not. So it's questionable to take And and therefore we're not today. We consider. Wait, you're saying for sure they are Jewish? You're just saying it's a suffix for the behor. No, I'm saying it's a suffix if they're Jewish or not, in that case. Sorry, I thought there was not even a question. No, no, no. some say it's the, it's the woman who gives birth. Some say it's the woman who... who, uh, who I heard who that they all need to be converted. Mm-hmm. Is that not true? Yes, we suffix, we convert them all. Okay, so, so the, suffix, the, the practical suffix. is... Well, we're machmer that they have, they're both considered their mothers. We go both ways. We have our cake and eat it. So we do a, a, a gerus we suffix. And we're also machmer that they're both considered mothers halakhically. So both the surrogate and the... Now, by the way, this, and this is an interesting thing, because when it, it, it was hypothetical, again, told uterine transplants, some people discuss, is it the parturition that decides mother maternity, or is it the giving birth? What's parturition is pregnancy, right? Is it the, the pregnancy? Conception. No, or the giving birth. When you're dealing... So the, the, till now, it wasn't possible to split that up. Now, with uterine transplants, it might that question might actually be relevant. It's no longer hypothetical. No, it's because uh, technically speaking, it's someone else's womb. Is that called that that other woman was pregnant? But I, but this woman's giving birth. So who's the who's the mother? The woman. Let's say we assume the uterus is the donor's uterus in this new woman. So now the parturition technically is happening by one woman, and the giving birth is happening by another woman. So which decides maternity, the birth or the parturition? Par- now it's no longer hap- hypothetical. is actually the pregnancy. act of birthing. Giving birth. Okay, so, uh, so what's the fancy word for pregnancy? Pregnancy. 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 Yeah. Whatever, okay, whatever, whatever you just, word you want to use. Just for clarity. Yes, okay. So if I'm a rabbi, I don't think you're right, by the way. If I'm a rabbi right now, um, the next hypothetical I do is this. <laughs> you have two women. I used to be a doctor. Who don't have uteruses. One of them wants to be the surrogate. So the surrogate gets a uterine transplant. Oh, God. <laughs> And then the first woman, she donates the egg and her husband donates the sperm. It's put into the uterus, which has been transplanted from a third party into the surrogate. Well, what's even complicated more is to say that, that so some other guy has embryo. to donate the sperm yeah, or the, the mom's or the There's a common issue. Yes, that's, by the way, there is another question. If you say, by the way, in that response written in 1907, I just want to point out, they discussed there is having relations with this woman um, considered uh, infidelity. If she was married, the donor of the ovary 
and now this man is having relations with this woman who donated over who was married, is that considered infidelity? Is that considered Eshatish? So it is relevant. Because so they discuss there, depending on what which part, and that's where the anatomy is very important, meaning if the cervix was done, meaning because if what they say is if the external genitalia was also transplanted, so that could be a problem. If it was only internal, and when you're having relations, you're not, you're not going near the, into, let's say it was just the ovary, you're not touching the ovaries, so then it's irrelevant. But if it was the, the, the complete external genitalia was transplanted, which today you have, seems like it's not so uncommon. <laughs> so then you have a question of a shatish. Um, it could be a problem of moms there, etc. So the, this was 1907. This is a more common problem. If a woman has the lining of her cervix removed, because of uh, HPV, That's the then she gets pregnant and has a baby. So the baby, in theory, the lining of the uterus is uh, the cervix is gone. Yes. Is, is the baby still a before? So that's the next the end of the comment. That's the question. Discusses that exact case. Unbelievable! You, really? you foresaw. I'm not you sure. Can ask this question in 2019. It says uh, uh, it says uh, on the bottom if the walls of the birth canal were torn off, torn off. Look at the bottom of the left column. It says uh, the bottom paragraph it says, rather we inquire as follows: Necrovitellates. Uh, sorry, um, before that, where the walls of the birth canal were torn off. Discusses that case. So, is that a problem or not? Well, this is just the line. Oh, it gets to everything's in it. It's all here, baby. Everything. Okay, so now, so I just wanted. So Steinberg writes here in his, uh, in just a one-liner he throws in here, and maybe. So if I could find it, um, about uterine transplants in the law wow. of the this, this is so clever to get around the law. It is. It's brilliant. brilliant. Yeah. yeah, that part Rabbis I, were brilliant. That's what we paid the rabbis One second, one second. Get that Ron is saying the rabbis were brilliant. We all heard it. We all heard it. It's on tape. Forevermore, it's good. Very good at getting around the law. Okay, so one second. Or R. R. Okay. Continue to be. <laughs> Okay, I that's, find that's why they were able to be judges. <laughs> 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 I guess so. Um, wow. Trying to find this, this timer. People pay them for this. Yeah. Well, yeah, they did and do. So living. Okay, so timer sounds like this. Um, so I can't find it. Somewhere. A lot of pages. Um, Rabbi Steinberg. Is How do you say uterine transplant in Hebrew? Is there an index? Yeah, easy. I saw it. It's here. I talk about um, if you have a child that's the gender is not clear. Do you do it in advance? Well, the uterus. The Eucharist. Eucharist. We used to say the uterus was the Eucharist. Okay. So, like this. So, Stanley says, after a transplanted uterus, he says, Isha Shetaram Yelada, prior to birth, Shehushta Barachma Recham Isha, they transplanted into her a uterus of another woman, Shekrayelda, that already gave birth, Darach Rechamzeh, through this uterus, Haben Sheivalid Patur Mi Pidyanaben. That's what Zalach says, is exempt from Pidyanaben. There's no Pidyanaben. On the bottom, he says, why? So, he says, he says interesting. He says, um, he says like this. Hatam. The reason is safek It's a doubt based. I'm assuming he doesn't say where his dad is from. Is the pidyon ben 
dependent on the uterus or not. Since this this uterus was already petarechem, it was opened already prior in the donor. That's side number one. It's a safek. Oh, Or is it dependent on the woman? It's not dependent on the uterus. For this woman, it's a first birth. We don't care that the uterus was recycled. That's not our problem. Okay, that's what he says. We can't eat term eleven. This woman is the first birth, but what if she's had a miscarriage? Ah, that's something else. We got that's yeah. We're talking about it's not a case. Miscarriage is a whole different story. We'll talk about that if we have time. And even if you're gonna say now he goes on further, he says, even if you're gonna say that it is dependent on the uterus, Fshalomar, it's possible to to say, Sharechem La Akhashtala, that after you transplant the uterus, Miss Batel Bigufa Shalhanitremis, it now becomes part of the woman. It now is her uterus. So it's irrelevant, it becomes batel is like languages in this recipient woman. So even if you're gonna say it is dependent on the uterus, but now it is a, a new uterus in this woman. The fact that it happened to be another woman uh, a year ago or a week ago is irrelevant to this. Um, to this question, he says. Um, he goes so where's this effect? It sounds like he's trying to prove no, that well, it is. he's saying, even if you're going to say, he's saying there's two sides to this effect, and even if you can say this side, so it's, it's questionable, one second. He says, It's possible to say this. Therefore, since it's a doubt as to how we view it, where's this effect? Suffolk is, maybe, we everything is dependent on this uterus and we still look at it as the donor's uterus. That was his first right, point. Right. Okay. So he says, Therefore, any times we said, since it's a monetary transaction, it's money, you gotta, the coin got to prove that it belongs to him. That he gets that he's entitled to the money. He can't prove it, so he can't prove this. And So he quotes, what he's quoting here is two articles from 1907. His source for this which they clearly they weren't talking about uterine transplants, but I think one of them made a mistake and and in that in nineteen oh seven and thought again the anatomy they were talking about the uterus. So they mentioned it there mistakenly, but that mistake again will help us to see the Allah concept. The fact that it was a mistake and they made a mistake in the anatomy at that time, but th- someone understood that case in nineteen oh seven as a uterine transplant, which didn't exist. And they ruled on that case. And they said these things. So he's isn't using that, that as a faulty judgment, isn't that no, no. considered Again, not good? You no, know, it's meaning, let's say someone uh, came to the rabbi and told me uh, this chicken uh, is hard, has a hole in it. And I ruled on that this dalach of the chicken has a, a hole in the heart. Is it kosher or not? Now, the fact that the person told me the wrong facts doesn't change dalach. I ruled in a case where chicken had a heart. They got the facts wrong, or I got the facts wrong. It doesn't, the halacha, the concepts, the halachic principles are, are the same. The fact that I didn't know the facts and I ruled, uh, meaning, not that I ruled based on wrong facts. I ruled for those facts, for fact A. You told me the wrong question. The law is not cor- right. incorrect. Right, the law doesn't facts right. exactly. Incorrect. Meaning it's like, it's like uh, saying someone came to the judge and they lied and they told him this guy killed someone. Now he ruled in this case, the guy's guilty. He gets the death penalty. Happens to be the guy didn't kill him. It doesn't change. So the, the law will stand in the sense of if these are the facts, the law is applicable. So they had the facts wrong, but it doesn't change the halachic ruling in that set of facts. Really? I got major problems with this. And that's the why you're not a lawyer. Thank God. Book, are you my mother is not going to become are you my uterus? Okay, so that's as far as uterine transplants. Okay. So the answer is, answer no is answer. We, we, don't we don't know, and therefore uh, don't the do pity up. The coin can prove halach. Right, the coin doesn't get money. Right, exactly. Uh, you've probably already covered this sometime, but 
Does the C-section where the uterus yes, never opens? Yes, so you're exempt. C-section case, there are many cases, as we discussed last week, that you're, you're exempt from pigeon on bed. That's why it's so rare, as we discussed, very rare um, that it happens is because C-section, and as you mentioned, is, is a prior, uh, a, since the Torah says it has to open the womb, C-section is considered opening the womb. So DNC where you dilate it. Oh, so he discusses that, for example, um, many others yeah, mentioned another case. He mentioned a miscarriage. So, by the way, the law of the miscarriage. Listen, listen. The law of the miscarriage is that if, depending on the stage of the miscarriage, so there's no exact cutoff, and it sounds gory, meaning the doctor has to ascertain whether there's a form. The halach is if the miscarried fetus had a form to it already, which again, there's not an exact date to that. Usually, everyone agrees prior to 40 days, it's nothing. That wouldn't exempt you from a subsequent. Um, pidi- birth pidi- a bed. but let's say the 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 uh, was, let's say it was in, in, fifty days, right? Fifty four. You know, so depending on if there was bones and whatever, you know, so it has to be ascertained. But the doctor decides, and the doctor is the one supposed to check, and based on that, can decide whether. Well, that's because at forty days it will have form, and if it doesn't have form, then it's not a normal fetus. No, the form means it has to have like uh, bones. I think uh, that's like all bone present to forty days. It's not it forty is. days is just start, like it's no, just it's the beginning. Present. It's there. Well, it, it, like not according says, to the rabbis. Professor um, Steinberg says, but if, when, but if it isn't there, then it's clearly not. Today we anyway. can ascertain with yeah, a sonogram. Like you don't need the even. You could ascertain prior to birth with a sonogram. So, for example, another example, I and mean, abortions also would be the same thing. At which stage was it aborted? That I would decide was a pidyon ben. I had a case, um, if I mentioned last week, right? yeah, a, a Russian adult um, who had come from Russia. His father wasn't Jewish, actually. He was an exchange student in Princeton, and I was studying with him when I was in rabbinical school. And he, um, we met him in the restaurant in Israel. He was the security guard, remember? Remember no. that story? <laughs> Great story. Anyway, so so the this guy was an exchange student. He was 24 years old, Russian, and he decided he wants to put on stop wearing tefillin. So we got him tefillin. Long story short, the, he, I, he got an old pair of tefillins. I said, we need to check it, because, you know, the chance is not kosher. So, of course, checked it, and it wasn't kosher. It's tefillin. So he wanted to study the part of the tefillin that had a, that wasn't, that was, that had a problem with it. So if it happens to be, two, there's four chapters, four paragraphs in the tefillin. Two of them are about Pedina Ben, whatever reason. Two of them mention Pedina Ben. So it happens to be we started, so we started reading the part that, was problem and it's Pedina Ben. He said, Well, I never heard of this. I'm a he's the only child. His father wasn't Jewish, but that doesn't negate. So now the obligation is on him as an adult to redeem himself. So the problem is he was Russian, and his mother's in Russia. In Russia, they have many abortions, and they only, most people only have one child. So he had to call his mother and find out if she had an abortion. It was a little awkward. Um, uh, um, but at the end of the day, so we, we did the Pedina Ben in Princeton. They hung up a sign, free food. We had like 80 students showed up, and uh, it was a big party, and he spoke, it was um, beautiful, he spoke at this and he said he was comparing, he had a circumcision in the underground in Russia, when it was illegal, he said he was an adult, he decided at 18 he wants to be circumcised, no anesthesia, he described the scene, he's talking at this Pedinaben, everyone was crying, it wasn't a dry eye in the room, so they laid me down, they took me into a cellar, laid me down in the basement, no anesthesia, they gave me a little vodka, smeared a little vodka and and Schmeckel, and he said it was, and they, uh, they cleaned up the blood, and we had, uh, we had some more vodka, and then that was it. He says, look at this, compared, he's contrasting the Pidina Ben to, to his, uh, to his, uh, Hopefully he was having circumcision. More fun. <laughs> Hopefully he was having more fun at the Pidina Ben. Long story short, I, I lost touch with the guy, and, um, 
It's like 10, 15 years later, I'm on a trip in Israel with Shelly and Linda, and it was, it was the Wexner group. You mm-hmm. were there too, but you didn't come to Tuesday night. It's a restaurant. You were there on the Wexner trip with Shelly? Uh, Same time, yeah, yeah. With, with Audrey and Bradley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So shot, this yeah. is uh, 20 years later, I don't know, 15 years later, not 20. F- around 15 years after I lost touch with him, we were going, it was right after there was a bunch of bombings in Israel, I don't know what year it is. So they had security guards at all the restaurants. And walking up, the st- um, I come to this restaurant with Shelly Lynn, I don't remember who else was there. And the security guard all of a sudden sees me, and he comes running down steps, like almost tackles me. And uh, it was this guy, he made Aliyah, you know, I was in Israel. Was he a Princeton graduate? Yeah. Well, yeah, he's sociology, don't push it. Oh, okay. <laughs> Those are so he's a security guard in Israel. If you have a degree in sociology in Israel, you become a security guard. So, it was a little uh, embarrassing when you he you asked him to show me a schmeckle. <laughs> <laughs> Very embarrassing. Anyway, the guy is currently living in Israel. He's religious. Amazing story. Um, so that's my opinion of Ben's story. And so let me just finish off. So there's other, a few other cases of uh, one is, uh, first of all, ectopic pregnancy. Let's say a woman becomes pregnant topically, so they all, the response have discussed that, and they say that there's no issue. Um, because again, that's not, first of all, a few reasons. One is, it has to be a viable, the first birth, the first baby had to be viable. A topic automatically means it's not viable. It's never going to live. Number two is, it's not in the rechem. The, the pregnancy is taking place in the fallopian tubes, and therefore, it's not petarechem. Well, by m- definition, miscarriage is not viable, so why, why wouldn't that, uh, it might No, no, but I'm saying is, sorry, no, it was petar, in this case, I'm saying front no miscarriage initially it could have been a viable child it ended up miscarrying but uh, so it opened the womb at the stage where it was already formed that's pe- that means Even the child op- we know clearly right. it's not viable yes but right the viability itself is not but here from the beginning this was never going to be a viable birth once it's taking place in the fallopian tubes it's like topic it's n- it can never be a viable birth that's so it has to be viable at some point. It had to have been a viable pregnancy. At some point. Yeah, right. And the other thing is that, as we're saying, it's not even near, the, it's nothing to do with the womb. Torah says if something else opened the womb, if there was a prior opening to the womb. In this case, ectopic, they do surgery, they take it out. The fallopian tube, so they, that's discussed. So the last question is going to get back. Yeah. Suppose you have an, a test, like a hysterosalpingogram, or just a histogram where they inject some dye into your womb opening. That doesn't open it enough. Yeah, that's not. That's and not there's air around it. There's <laughs> <laughs> not a fetus. Oh, air. Uh, the doctor yeah. mechanically yeah. dilates the surface. Yeah, and that's nothing. That's that so we're talking about it's open by, uh, again, birth. by a birth. Oh, right. Okay. It's open by birth. And so what about in, in utero surgery? So, uh, again, so why would that, so why would well, that be possible? Well, the child hasn't. Right, so that's fine. Uh, there is an issue there, which is, again, um, if the child, they discussed that, if the child is a tray for to begin with, meaning it's originally not going to be viable, we know that from initially, so that could, could be a pre- that could be uh, exempted. Why? Um, if you fix it. Ah, so that's a good question, which is good, gets to the question I want to address quickly. Two other questions I need to address before we run out of time, which is, one is incubators. What happens if you have a preemie at tackling nodes? Again, we wait the 30 days for the beginning of Ben because the assumption is we have to do it on a viable child that we know is going to live. And, the, and halachically, today might be different, but halachically, we wait until after 30 days, the child is, is not mm-hmm. considered viable. So the question becomes, what happens if you have a preemie who's born and it's only be viable, it stays in the incubator? So do you do the pidyon ben 30 days from birth or 30 days after it gets out of the incubator? How do we view the incubator? Is, as we call it, is it a womb with a view? Or is it a, uh, 
or is it um, is the incubator an extension of the mother? This is an interesting question, which again, in modern technology you have, which, or do we say no, 30 days after birth, irrelevant. So this is a question Somebody that's discussed at length. Meaning, because again, uh, this is a, another mm -hmm. typical case where the technology totally changed, um, in a sense, not changed Allah, because Allah never changes, but it moved the goalposts. Uh, meaning, because in times of the Talmud, if you had, let's say, a seven-month baby, it was surely was not viable. Now we keep on moving the goalposts to uh, current medical technology, where I think, uh, I don't know where they're holding, look it up. It's like right, five and a half months. Weeks, yeah, I'm saying right, it's like crazy. Like now you can have a viable baby, technically, after 23 weeks. So the Talmud, in those days, obviously, that could never have happened. So the assumption is, if a child's born at that <coughs> stage, no opinion of bed, nothing's done. Now that we have incubators and we have all this technology, so the question becomes... Um, have, did the halacha change? And the, and the answer is yes, the halacha changed because, again, it's not the halacha changing, it's the technology is moving the goalposts. So the, the, the definition of viability is what's changing. So with new medical technology, so now. Reinterpretation. Uh, no, it's not reinterpretation. Interpretation stays the same. It's about the only opinion, opinion of man can only be done on a viable child. So the, the Gemara says seven months is never viable in those days. Now that we move the goalposts to much further back, and even a seven month, even a six month, five month, so therefore the, the halach is, it's, there's a new definition of viability. The, no, it's, the halacha says it has to be viable. So now if we move the goalposts and now it's viable much earlier, so then the halacha will change. But again, it's not the, the halacha principle is the same. It's about viability. The question is what's considered viability. So that keeps on changing. Science keeps on changing that. Um, as we go along. So now, what about, so when do we do the Pinyin Ben? From 30 days after it comes out of the incubator or not? So he discusses it here. Which is Suffolk. No. Well, it's always a Suffolk. Always three opinions. Uh, for some reason, I can't. I thought I marked it here. Oh, here we go. Um, yes, it says like this. leads to another question. leads to another question. Incubator. Male firstborn is still in the incubator on the 31st day, must be redeemed. Okay, so the assumption is he's saying if it's in the incubator, it does you still do the pidyon abed? The fact that it's in the incubator itself doesn't mean it's not viable. Chelkad Yaakov rules again. This is uh, I don't know when this is written. Rules that a baby born after eight months of gestation who is still in an incubator on the 31st day should have his pidyon abed on time. However, Rav Orbach wrote to me this fact um, that. A premature baby who needs an incubator is as yet a possible nephil, possible <coughs> what we call a non-viable birth. And in particular, if the doctors are not yet sure if he will live. So if you have a child who needs the incubator and the doctor is saying, we don't know if he's even going to live, even with the incubator, which happens many times in preemies. So he wrote that it would seem to him that it would be better to wait to redeem him later with the blessings, meaning to wait till after he comes out of the incubator. If he, will, if he was full term, he should be redeemed immediately on the 31st day. However, if he's born after eight months of gestation, and certainly after seven months of gestation, again, this was written, this itself was written 15 years ago, 20 years ago. Um, so he says it would be better to redeem him until 30 days after he was taken out of the incubator. It would be as if he had only completed his gestational period then. So he, what he's saying is it really depends. If the doctor is saying this kid is totally viable, even though he's an incubator, so we do it on the 31st day like any other birth. But if the doctors are saying that 
this child we're not sure is going to make it. So then we view the incubator as a, con a continuation of the gestational process, and we wait 30 days after it comes out of the incubator. That's what Rabbi Orbach seems to be saying. Now in that regard, it's a little surprising that uh, either legislation or bioethical propositions haven't come forth where, say, a woman wants to have an abortion at 25, 26 weeks, which is, uh, why not uh, extract that baby and put it in an incubator and let that baby actually live? I mean, I'm surprised. Is it in Alabama now? Like well, you, you know, I think this, uh, that's not ordinarily done, but I'm not sure why it's not an option. So you got to speak. Uh, that's a good question. Not, not for now. It's, good, it's right, a good right. question. I mean, you got a way to it was very avoid the whole books. abortion. It's a very interesting novel called Solomon's Knife. Yes. Maybe 20 years ago, where this was proposed, a guy invented a machine that you could extract. The woman thought she was having an abortion. In fact, they were taking the baby and putting them in it. Someone actually did it. No, it's a novel, oh, super incubator. The baby grows up like, uh, and as uh, a kid and becomes gets leukemia, and now they want to go back to the original parents to get transplant. But that didn't exist, so but now that does okay, exist. So we're out of time, so I want to finish off. So it's a great question. I, I'd love to read the novel. A movie? Solomon's Knife. Okay. I'll see the movie. Um, the, the, so you text it to me because I'm not going to remember. So the, the bottom line is, the, the last question I just want to address, because um, it's an interesting question, is the question of forceps. So based on this Gemara, um, in Kulin, which is about animals, so some want to see that you see the Gemara says there's a problem of chatzitz. If you have something interposition is between the fetus and the walls of the womb, so to speak, is that a problem? Yes. First of all, so it seemed like that from the Talmud. Yes. So there are two posts in again, and this is written in the in early 1900s, late 1800s, and Chalkas Yov, who, who write that you don't do opinion of Ben, or you don't make a brach at least, Suffolk, you do it without a blessing because of this issue. But Ramosha Feinstein vehemently disagrees, and he says a fascinating thing. He says, this Gemara is only relevant to animals. Animals, you can't compare animals and humans. He says, here, by animals, it's a question of Kedushas Bechar. It's a question of holiness. At which point of the birth do they become holy? It's the womb and this. He says, when it comes to humans, it's, there's nothing to do with this. This is, there's no Kedusha. He says, it's a monetary transaction. When it comes to humans, is the Kohen owns it. After 31 days, the Torah says, you have to pay the Kohen. So it's irrelevant how it was born. Did it touch the side of the womb? Does not. It's a, it's owned by the Kohen, no matter how it was born. The Chatzitza question is irrelevant, the interposition question. And therefore he says forceps is 100% irrelevant. Of course you do opinion of Ben, he argues on the whole so concept. He, he says ignoring all the other yes, rulings. He says they're 100% wrong. <laughs> He says, uh, okay, he guess says that's this right. is about animals. This is a separate issue. Animals is a question of heebie-jeebies, of holiness. At which point do they acquire this holiness? Humans are also heebie-jeebies. No, but he says humans, it's a monetary question. It belongs to the coin. That's why we wait 31 days. He says there is no condition. Till 31 days, it's a regular baby like any other baby. At 30 days, now you have to go to the coin, the Torah says, and, and pay the coin. Get back your baby. 